Good evening, and an uh, honor to have you here, especially if you're a new guest with us tonight. Uh, it is great to have you here. I know you could be in a lot of different places. It takes courage coming to a new place, so welcome. Glad you're here. I want to start tonight uh, a little bit different. We're going to dive into this um, series in just a second, to the sermon in just a second, but occasionally, from time to time, uh, we'll take just a few minutes and do what we call kind of an elements family chat. And it's just kind of getting everybody on the same page, hearing things. And just as you run organizations, as you do things, and you do this with your families, you do this with uh, your uh, kind of coworkers from time to time. And so I wanted to give you a little bit of a family chat, just kind of updating you on finances, just kind of where we are and things as we come up on the end of our fiscal year. Our new fiscal year starts July 1st. And so we kind of run opposite of calendar year. And so if you kind of call Elements home, this is kind of for you. If if you're brand new, then hey, this is kind of a peek behind the curtain and you get to go kind of how uh, real things operate around here. And so uh, we are in our first year of finishing up brand new on our own. Remember last July, we kind of got our own 401c3, made it official, went out on our own nonprofit status. And so we're super excited about that. That's awesome, one year in. I'll be the only one clapping. Okay, perfect, okay. So we're doing well, finishing up. Uh, around 250000 is kind of where we're coming in, and uh, we're excited about that. It's down a little bit from last year, but, you know, the reality is every budget is dynamic and fluctuates. Your family budget does that. Our church family budget does that, and we try to live within our means and all that kind of stuff. We want to be in powerful uh, example and light in the heart of our city. And so the, the invitation is I'd love for us to see kind of get into that 300000 mark because it frees us up to do more ministry. And I know that may seem confusing. So here's what we talked about this week is let's make this really simple. So for every $10 that comes into Element City Church, kind of a family chat, let me just kind of let you know where things go. Um, so we have several different categories of things. So staffing-wise, so we've got a couple pastors here. You've got a part-time worship leader in Lyle. We've got our E-Kids director position that we're looking to fill. We've got uh, our office manager and Anya and things. And so every out of every $10, about $4.75 or so goes to staffing to kind of help pay for the staff that runs the church and kind of organizes and do all that. So I know people. some people don't give because they don't know where it goes. And so I just want to let you know, which is really, really good, 48% or so, uh, because we started when we first launched like three years ago, we were like 79%. So that's good. Like incomes come up and we got into the place, we've lowered that percentage. Um, About $3 or so goes to operation cost, which is just everything that takes to pull off on a Sunday from everything from insurance, uh, administration costs, from uh, lease of facilities, here at the school, lease of equipment that we're um, kind of leasing to own, and all that kind of stuff goes into there. About a dollar goes into our missions. We kind of practice a tithe as a church that we live on 90% and we give away 10%. So we're investing in future church plants uh, here in Tucson and around the surrounding areas, southern Arizona, and we're also focusing on missions local and global that we have a reach to here in our city and beyond. And one dollar kind of goes to ministry. And so the ministry expenses to run E-Kids and our E-Students program and all that kind of stuff. So that makes up that $10. So that's the category kind of feel and vibe so you can know where stuff goes. And so the challenge and the invitation for us as an Elements Church family is to say, hey, we'd love to do more ministry. 
And in order to do that, one a kind of a saying we have around here is it takes real mi- money to do real ministry. That's kind of a real reality. And so we live by that. And so I just wanna encourage those of you who are partnered with us financially, thank you so much. Uh, we really could not do what we do without you. And, and maybe this is a summer where uh, you kind of look at that and maybe God's blessed you in different ways and, and you can recalibrate that. Maybe you come here and you've never even thought about giving, about partnering with the church to move God's kingdom forward. We're all about inviting people into a life-giving, life-changing relationship with Jesus and helping them take next steps of faith. And so if that's you, here's my invitation. I always say to people, think about priority, meaning think about giving to God and his kingdom work in this world and, and how that can outlive you and how the church can harness that in a way that's way beyond even what you and I can do individually, and how we can do and serve this community and make a difference here. And think about investing that. Think about making that a priority. And then think about percentage. And the idea that you and God figure out what that may look like, we don't check on that. Uh, I would love to write you a note as a first-time giver. I kind of write a note to every first-time giver that invests in our church and partners with us, links arms with us, to move our church and our kind of God's kingdom and his movement here in Tucson forward. So that's kind of the family chat update. I just wanted to give you and kind of get us all in the loop of that. If you have never thought about it, here's my one challenge to you. I would love for you to join us. And I think that you'll find a blessing in giving that goes far beyond what you ever actually give. Because I've found that. That as we invest here, as we invest into God's ministry around the world, It's something that outlives you. In fact, it's a command that God gives us. It's an invitation that he gives us. And here's the simple invitation. Take a 90-day challenge. Just try it for the next 90 days. And I guarantee you that God will bless you and work in that. That he will, it doesn't mean you're gonna get rich. It doesn't mean that he's gonna bless it dollar for dollar. It just means what the scriptures say is God says, when you trust me with this, I will take care of you. And so trust him in that and work with that. You and God figure out what that might be. We'd love to invite you into that process. And I'd love to close this time just kind of praying and blessing over Element City Church and the movement that God has for us here across his churches here in our city. And so would you join me in praying for that? And then we'll kind of move into the sermon time here. So let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us to become generous people who live uh, with a growing generosity that you form in our hearts because you are an incredibly generous God. Father, would you help us to be good stewards of the investment that you give us to manage? We are never owners, we're managers. And so would you help us to manage well, to move your kingdom forward, to invite people into life with Jesus, and to to push back darkness where we see it, to be able to step in and stand in the gap in ways that we are able to do here in the schools that we're partnered with and the opportunities with some of our mission partners that we have here and in Ecuador, the ways that we're able to step forward and, and help people begin to experience what life with God might be like. Father, would you give us the opportunity to do that on an ever-expanding scale? And Father, would you bless those who give? Would you bless those who partner with you to do a ministry that goes far beyond what we could ever do on our own? We ask for your empowerment in that. We ask for your grace in that. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, thanks for letting me do that. And every so often, we kind of do a little family chat. So how many of you have ever had problems? Oh, good. We're all on the same page then. Okay, so we've experienced problems. Maybe you've heard of first world problems. 
Anyone ever experienced those? You can actually Google that hashtag first world problems. You'll see things like, uh, anyone ever been in a shopping center where they have like more than 10 speed bumps? Like in 100 yards. And you're like, really? Do we really need 10 speed bumps in 100 yards? And maybe that's a first world problem. Maybe uh, anyone ever uh, lost Wi-Fi signal? Oh, first world. Anyone ever lost your AC? Yeah, that one really, okay, that's, uh, that's like really, that's difficult here. That's challenging here. So, uh, but first world problem in some ways, because a lot of people don't have that, but it's a challenge here. Uh, maybe anyone's ever sat next to a crying baby on a plane? Anyone ever had your baby be the crying baby on the plane and you don't know what to do? It's scary, people looking at you. Maybe uh, anyone ever binge the pool, it's really hot out but the water's too cold? <laughs> yeah, right, we've had these problems. So some problems in life are really, really small. Some problems seem to get supersized and almost become the size of a dinosaur. And maybe it will remind you of Chris Pratt and what he faced. Let's watch. That's a big problem, right? And what did we learn? Two key things. Don't wear a hat at Jurassic World. Because if you wear a hat, you're going to get eaten by a dinosaur. But if you don't wear a hat, you're okay. And brake fluid can camouflage you from people. So just that's a couple quick tips there for you uh, to take with you. But, you know, problems sometimes can be really simple and really small. Sometimes they can be like dinosaur size problems. And the reality is if I would take a survey, if you and I just sit in a coffee somewhere along the way, you'd probably share your life story a little bit of, hey, you know, I faced some of these simple problems, easy ones. And uh, my hunch is you face some of those that are, that are really big. In fact, the kind of problems that it seems like they're hunting you down, Right? And the reality is all of us face problems. That's a part of life and we will have to deal with it. So tonight I wanna to look at this idea of how do you survive life's problems? See, sometimes problems will come because of your poor decisions or your poor choices or my poor decisions. Sometimes problems come because we just make bad decisions and we have to face the consequences of those. Sometimes problems come because other people make bad and, and bad, poor choices and we're stuck in the middle of it. And kind of the repercussions kind of fall our way because of decisions or choices that they make. And for some of you, you've, you've experienced that. And maybe you wouldn't have chosen it and, and it wasn't even part of your choice, but you kind of got caught up in the, in the rip of that. Sometimes problems happen just because we live in a broken world. And bad things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people and bad things just happen to people because of the brokenness around us. And so when you look at this idea of problems, see, we don't have a, I don't have any more problems, get out of jail free card because I'm a follower of Jesus now. That's not the reality. In fact, it was Jesus who said, look, in this world, you're gonna face trials. You're gonna face problems. Here's what he said in John 16. I have told you these things. He's spoken some stuff before to his early disciples, and he says to them, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but you take heart, because I've overcome this world. Meaning what you see and what you touch and what you sense around you isn't the only story going on. And Jesus is trying to teach his followers, look, in this world you're gonna face hardships. You're gonna face struggles. Sometimes it's gonna be because of choices you made. Sometimes it's gonna be because of choices others. Sometimes it's just because things aren't the way they're supposed to be yet. And as we move forward, God bringing his kingdom here to earth, 
and one day making it all right. Here's what we have to camp on, that we are never alone when we face our problems. When we face our struggles, when we face our hardships, whether it's our choice or someone else's choice or just kind of happenstance, the reality is we never walk alone as a follower of Jesus, even when it feels like you're alone. Because you've been there, haven't you? You've been there where it's not the small problems, it's the dinosaur-like size problems that come your way and you feel like you're the only one or you feel like you're the only one who's in that moment or experienced those things or having this thing crumble at your feet and you feel alone. And in those moments, we need to remember that Jesus is always with you. That's this idea of Emmanuel. He is God with us. We'll kind of end on that. But God can use problems. He can use hardships in our lives to, to kind of help us in some ways. And it doesn't mean he's gonna take them all away. It just means that God can use them. And he can help us in that. Looking at 1 Peter, here's what it says. See, God's not kind of mindfully absent or on vacation when problems come. Here's what Peter wrote. The Apostle Peter wrote this, 1 Peter chapter four. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through, as if something strange was happening to you. He goes on, he says, instead, be very glad, for, those, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have a wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. See, Peter goes on to say, look, this isn't just about problems. See, Peter's really talking about hardships and persecution that comes with being a believer that if someone's coming against you as you're a believer, they're belittling your faith or they're rejecting that or, or you're facing some persecution from that, that's really what he's getting at. But he's saying, look, hardships are gonna be a part of life and you need to understand, listen, don't, don't get hardships because you make dumb decisions. But if you face things because you're a Christian or because you're a believer, just recognize that you are actually partnering with how things were treated with Christ and you're partnering with his suffering, and the scriptures speak about how we can grow in those times and in those seasons, maybe unlike any other. See, God's goal in our life is to refine us through our challenges we face. Ultimately, his greatest desire is that you and I are shaped more and more to be like Jesus, to see the world the way he would see, to respond the way he would respond, and that's his goal. And a lot of times God will use the hardships and struggles and challenges that we face to kind of help us in that and to kind of help in that transformation process. God can use our problems and our challenges in life maybe a couple different ways. God can use our problems and our struggles to direct you. God can use our problems and our challenges sometimes to direct you. How many of you have driven through construction zones before? Right, and what's the point of a construction zone? There's a problem, there's an issue that they're trying to fix and they've gotta detour you around, right? And everyone has the same kind of instinctual feeling when you come up to that spot of the road, what is it? It's not really a word you say, it's just a, an emotion that you feel, what is it? Ugh, right? That's what you feel, especially when it's backed up, right? And you're like, ugh, and then maybe even do a double ugh, okay? And so that's what you're feeling. And listen, when you face struggles, when you face those hardships, sometimes it's gonna feel like that. I think that's what Peter's getting at. Like, don't be surprised. You may feel, ugh, but God can actually do something in the midst. He can direct us 
through and challenge us and help refine us to become more than what we are currently and more of what he's designed and desires us to become in him, that he can actually direct us. See, as Christians, we live with this worldview that God's sovereign over all things, that in Proverbs 16:9 it says we can make our plans, we can make our plans, but it's the Lord who determines our steps. It's Yahweh who actually directs us. That doesn't mean you're a puppet. It just means that God kind of stands over everything and that God can use problems, good things in life and blessings in life as well as struggles and challenges in life to be a part of directing you to become more of who you were designed and dreamed to be through faith in Christ that God can use those problems to direct you. So I mean, secondly, God can use problems to correct you or perfect you. Anyone remember Jonah? And Jonah's story, right? God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh. Say, I, I need you to kind of call these people to the repentance, and Jonah's like, I've heard stories of Nineveh. It's like Vegas times 10. I'm not going there. And he goes the opposite direction, and God sends this storm, right, to get Jonah's attention to say, look, you're, I'm gonna kind of correct you right now. This is, uh, how many of you are parents? Yeah, you get this, okay? Any answer, uncles here? Yeah, you kind of get this. Because the reality is sometimes discipline has to be used to protect you, to correct you, to kind of train you in the way that you should go. Uh, Look at what um, Hebrews chapter 12 says this. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing what they thought was best and kind of the best they knew how. But God's discipline, listen, is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. You know when it's happening, what you feel like? Ugh! That's what you feel like. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. He goes on, the writer says, but afterwards there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in its way, meaning those who learn, those who learn. See, when you face hardships and problems, sometimes I think it's God trying to correct us, God trying to maybe protect us from going one way or another, trying to steer us because we're living under the sovereignty of him. It's God's discipline that's actually good for us, for our betterment to become more of who he's dreamed and designed us to be through faith in Christ. And we don't like it. Nobody likes it. You've all been grounded before, right? No fun. You've had things taken away. It's no fun. It's not easy. But hopefully, in those moments, you're learning something. That you go, hey, maybe that decision, that choice I made wasn't the best after all. Maybe I thought it was, and it felt good, but maybe it's not for my betterment and to make me better and to get me where I want to go. Maybe God's using some of this discipline or used parents or used other people, authority figures in your life to kind of say, hey, we got to direct this in a better way. Uh, Romans kind of talks about this idea of how God's love is this loving discipline with us. Think of it in a lot of ways kind of like a diamond, that when you have a diamond, it's really rough and it's, it's actually really dark to start. And what they use is lasers to kind of cut away and chip away and let the brilliance begin to shine through. And in a lot of ways, without that cutting, without that shaping, you wouldn't see the brilliance that's on your finger or that you see in jewelry around. It takes that. 
And I think, friends, in a lot of ways, that maybe that's kind of a picture for us biblically of what God does through sometimes through discipline and sometimes through a challenge as he's chipping away at maybe some of the character traits or some of the things that are holding you back from being more and more like Christ and more and more what he's designed and desires for us to have. And so maybe through this thing, God can say, hey, look, I'm gonna use this to kind of help protect you and he's gonna step in in moments. Does that mean everything bad that happens, God directs? I don't think so. I think God allows things to happen sometimes because we just live in a broken world. And bad things happen to good people, to bad people, and it's, way, it's just the way it is because it's not the way it should be yet. But God can always, uh, I like to think of it as spiritually recycle challenges and, and trials that come our way for our betterment. It doesn't mean that everything that happens to you was good. It just means that God can recycle things for your good. Does that make sense? In fact, here's what Romans uh, and what Paul writes. He says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. See, that's this idea. God's wanting to refine us to be more and more what he desires and dreams us to be. And sometimes he's gonna take challenges, challenges that we cause, challenges that just come our way. Listen, and there's some things Uh, that have happened to some of you in this room that we wouldn't wish on anybody. And I'm really, really sorry. I really am. I wish that hadn't happened. But even in the midst of that, that doesn't mean what happened was right. It just means God can recycle that and use it for your good. Doesn't mean it was good. It just means he can use it to maybe be a help to someone else and recycle and, and to utilize. God can work in those problems and struggles because ultimately God wants to refine you to be more and more like Jesus, to refine me, to be more and more like him. The bottom line I wrote was this. We might struggle at times, but God will never let our momentary problems permanently sink us. I think that's really important to remember as we go through struggles, as we go through challenges, that we will struggle at times. That's the reality, Jesus even said it. Problems will come. But God will never let our momentary problems permanently sink us. Why? Remember Peter? And there's 12 guys in a boat, right? And Jesus is walking on water. Let's just think about it a second. Walking on where? Water. Have you done that? No, walking on water. And 12 guys see this. And Peter's the only one with a little bit of courage that says, hey, Jesus, can I come out there with you? And Jesus says, what? He doesn't say, hey, look, you're not the Messiah. Whoa, you stay in the boat. What's he say? Sure, come on out here. And Peter gets out of the boat. You know what the, the hardest step, I bet, was? The first one. Just swinging your leg over the boat and beginning to walk where you should not be allowed to walk and you should not be able to walk. And he begins walking on water toward Jesus, think about that moment. And then all of a sudden he kind of takes his eyes off of Jesus, looks around and goes, okay, hey, whoa, uh, I'm on water? And there's lots of waves, and this is a storm. Holy crud, Um, and he starts to sink, right? And what does Jesus do? Does he stand there in the water like, oh, Peter, can't believe you. I'll meet you in the boat. Is that what Jesus does? No, maybe that's what your dad did. Maybe that's what your mom did. It's not what Jesus does. What does Jesus do? 
before Peter's head even gets underwater, Jesus reaches down and he picks him up. And you know what happened? They both walked on water back to the boat. Jesus is first and foremost a savior. He will always be a savior, yours. God will never let your momentary problems permanently sink you because he's a savior savior at the very core of who he is. It's what he desires to do most. In fact, you begin to to understand uh, this invitation we have to live. See, our greatest problem that we had in humanity wasn't the problems that face you. Those are struggles, those are challenges, those are trials, they'll come your way. But our greatest problem was the fact that we could not get and work our way to a perfect and holy God. And so Jesus comes onto the scene and he lives his life and he dies on the cross and most importantly, he raises back from the dead to solve the problem that we could not fix. See, Jesus stepped up and he stepped into the greatest problem you'll ever face and he did it for you. And friend, every single time you face a challenge, you don't face it alone. You face it side by side with a savior who says, I'm with you, I've got you. This will not permanently sink you. It may be a challenge for a time, but we will get through this together because this is not the only story going on. There's a greater story, and I will set it right one day. That's why I love what Paul writes in Romans chapter eight. I just wanna read some of this to you, and maybe it would help you just to close your eyes and just listen to these words as they wash over you. As a follower of Jesus, this is the guarantee that we have, the kind of sense of peace that Jesus brings. And so maybe just listen to these. Paul writes these words, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us, whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading and praying for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. See, our biggest problem was one we could never fix when we couldn't get around or get through on our own. And Jesus stepped up and he stepped in. And he did that for you. See, God is not against you. God is for you. Jesus proves that. And so when you face challenges, when we face those challenges, when we face problems that come our way, I think we need to assess the situation. And maybe begin to say, hey, did I cause this? Is there something in my decision pattern that caused this ripple effect to come? And if it is, then I better learn from it. That's called wisdom. And the Bible calls us to learn wisdom. Not just rebuke it or reject it or ignore it, but to learn from it. 
hey, is this caused by someone else? I didn't really do anything. God, man, that stinks. And let God know that. He already knows. It's not the way it should be. But he promises that you will not have to face it alone. That one day he will make it right. Ask God to use those moments to direct you, maybe to protect you, but ultimately to shape you to be more and more who he's called you to be. Again, the bottom line, we might struggle at times, but God will never let our momentary problems permanently sink you. He has you in the midst of your here and now, and friend, he has you securely for your ever afters. And so tonight, as we get prepared to take communion, as a follower of Jesus, you're invited to the table and a couple tables down front and a couple here in the side, we're gonna end with a song and just a parting word or so. But I'm gonna invite you, maybe this week, as you navigate life's problems, because they will come, to lean in and learn from them. Maybe it's something that you, you gotta correct or kinda fix alignment of where choices or decisions you're making. Maybe it's just someone else and in those moments we say, God, big problem, small problem, every problem I can bring to you because you're walking through it with me and you promise that it's not gonna sink me because this is not the only story going on and I'm invited to something that you've got my here and now and you hold me securely for my ever after. And so Father, we pray um, for each one in this room. God, I know if we were to list out problems or struggles or trials that, that materialize in here, gotta be so many so vastly different in scenarios and struggles and challenges. Holy Spirit, I just invite you to, to mingle in our hearts these next few moments as we remember the life of Jesus, his death, his resurrection through communion, taking that cracker, representing his body broken for us, that cup, that juice, his blood shed for us, that you dealt with the biggest problem we'd ever face and that we can never fix on our own, and you took care of it. And you promise us that through every challenge or struggle or problem that comes our way, that you walk with us in that. And so in these next few moments and in this song, would you draw our hearts towards you in that? And this week, would you help us to learn as we face those challenges that come our way and to lean into you? We ask that in Jesus' precious name, amen.